Hello, this is Pastor Kong Hee. I want to thank you for joining us on our podcast. I pray that you'll be blessed in Christ, encouraged by the Word, and experience an encounter with God. Remember, knowing God and being known by Him is the greatest pursuit of life. Enjoy the message. Some Christians wonder if reading translation like the Message Bible and the Passion Translation are dangerous and detrimental to their spiritual growth. I've been a Christian since 1975, and I have used many different Bible translations and paraphrases. Over the years, I've come across many criticisms and conspiracy theories that some English Bibles were deviously published to corrupt the faith of their unsuspecting readers. For example, when I was a youth, the King James Only movement was very active and aggressive. It asserted that apart from the authorized King James Version of AD 1611, all other English versions are erroneous and dangerous. Back then, the New American Standard Bible was popular. The followers of the King James Only movement accused the NASB for being unreliable because it was not translated from the textus receptus, unlike the King James Version. At the same time, in the 1970s, the Revised Standard Version was the official Bible for many churches in Singapore. Some accuse it for denying the virgin birth of Jesus Christ because it translates Isaiah 7.14 as a young woman shall conceive instead of the virgin shall conceive. When the New International Version, the NIV, was first published, some were very upset with its translation. The NIV was allegedly dangerous because it had omitted entire verses like Matthew 17, 21, 18, 11, and 23, 14. And some portions were bracketed and italicized like Mark 16, 9 to 20, and John 7, 53 to chapter 8, verse 11. And they say it gives the reader the wrong impression that these are not inspired scriptural texts. So there are voices protesting against the NIV. And when it comes to the paraphrased versions, like the Good News Bible, the criticisms are even louder. Some consider the liberty taken by publishers to simplify texts, making them more easily understood as offensive and outrightly heretical. Then there's the Living Bible, the one I used as a child from 11 to 13 years old. It has been scoffed at for being the work of a single man, Kenneth Taylor, rather than a group of theologians and scholars. In recent years, these same criticisms have been leveled at Eugene Patterson's The Message Bible and Brian Seaman's The Passion Translation. Now, let's understand some basic facts. Translating the Bible is not an easy task. One underlying problem is that we do not have the original manuscripts of the Bible, but copies of copies of copies. There are over 5,800 Greek New Testament manuscripts known to date. Then, along with over 10,000 Hebrew Old Testament manuscripts and over 19,000 copies in Syriac, Coptic, Latin, and Aramic languages. Not one is the original, and no one can be absolutely certain which of these copies is correct. Thankfully, only about 3% of the scriptural texts vary across 
all the manuscripts. That means there are only very, very slight differences. A little word here, a little punctuation there. Scholars and theologians then put together a Bible like this. From all the available manuscripts, by applying various rules to sort the differences out. For example, what do the oldest manuscripts say? What do the majority of them say? What do the best of them say? Which reading is more likely the correct reading? And do the words have the same meaning today? What was the intended meaning which was applicable to the ancient culture of that time? Now, because the manuscripts were written by hand, human error will be inevitable. Some words will be missing or illegible. The translators must also figure out if some words written on a manuscript were scriptural text or only comments or footnotes by the scribes. Because of these considerations, doubtlessly some subjective human judgment will be involved. When scholars are unsure, they usually highlight their uncertainties in the translation. In the case of the NIV translators, they bracket and italicize the text. This is the reason why there are so many translations of the Bible in the English language. However, despite these many challenges, the overall meaning of the scripture remains unchanged. Now, when it comes to choosing a suitable Bible translation for ourselves, there are A, the literal word-for-word -word versions, and B, the paraphrase, where an author takes a translation and puts it into his own words. Now, these paraphrase versions are always written in a simple everyday language and style that makes for easier reading. Now, the goal here is that everyone can understand and appreciate the Word of God. And even children and those less proficient in English, paraphrases are useful because they also help us to better understand the narrative and flow of each story. As a result, the message of the Bible can come alive in an entirely new way, especially to those who are not highly educated or who aren't so used to formal English. But being paraphrased Bibles, they never purport to be accurate scriptural texts. They don't. We must beware of being so critical and paranoid, and worse still, launch personal attacks on the translators. I remember as a kid, Robert Bratcher was viciously attacked for his Good News Bible. People accused him of being a heretic and apostate. But over the years, the Good News Bible has blessed millions of people and led many to Christ. It was the same for the Living Bible. When I was saved in 1975, someone bought me a King James Version. I couldn't understand it because it was so difficult to read. But I was given a Living Bible and I read through the Gospel of John and knowing God changed my life. However, I remember that the Living Bible came under severe attack because its translator, Kenneth Taylor, was viciously ridiculed because he was not a theologian or a full-time minister. Some argue that a Bible cannot be the translation of one man. 
there should be a panel of credible scholars, preferably more than a hundred of them, who have a command of biblical languages. But that's precisely why it's a paraphrase. A paraphrase is never meant to be a literal word-for-word translation. The Living Bible was the solo work of Kenneth Taylor. The Message Bible was the work of Eugene Patterson. The TPT was the work of Brian Simmons. But people read them because it helps them understand the Word of God. Consider Martin Luther, the leader of the Protestant Reformation. He translated the New Testament from the Latin to the German vernacular because he wanted to place the Bible into the hands of ordinary Christians. And he did that single-handedly in just 11 months. One man. Germans read it because they could now better understand the scripture. Are we going to criticize Luther for that? What about William Carey, who gave his life as a missionary to India? He translated the Bible into the Bengali, Oriya, Marathi, Hindi, Assamese, and Sanskrit. He also translated parts of it into 29 other languages and dialects. Just one man, one man. Yet his work, even if it was not supported by a hundred over theologians and scholars, had brought the gospel to countless Indians. Are we going to criticize Kerry, the father of modern missions? We must be very careful of intellectual pride and theological puri, moving us to criticize these versions that have made the word of God accessible to millions around the world. A paraphrase is simply a rephrasing of Holy Scripture in simple words that even little children and young people and those who are not as strong in the English language can understand. We just need to be mindful that the author's personal theological views will undoubtedly come through in his paraphrase. In this sense, the Amplified Bible is also a paraphrase. Because of this, we must treat these books more like Bible commentaries than accurate scriptural texts. Remember, a paraphrase is limited because it's not a word-for-word translation. No one should read a paraphrase alone. Rather, it should supplement a literal translation because only with a literal translation can you have an in-depth study of the scripture. Personally, I use the New King James Bible, the Old King James, the NIV, and I often cross-reference to other literal translations like the NASB and the ESV to get a clearer understanding of each word and sentence. But I also read paraphrases like the Living Bible, the Good News Bible, the Common English Bible, the Amplified Bible, and yes, at times, even the Message Bible and the Passion Translation. In conclusion, if you don't like a version, don't read it. But at the same time, you should not dismiss or even despise it. It may not be for you, but it may be a blessing to someone else. Don't be held captive by intellectual pride, theological puri, or conspiracy theories 
and attack them for being heretical when they are not. Bible translation and paraphrases, those that are commonly accepted, they were all painstakingly published as a labor of love to help God's people know them so that they may learn to live for Christ and the gospel. Choose those translations and paraphrases that whet your appetite to read and study the word and above all, which will help you in your spiritual growth.